Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up early today with Chris Doombos. He's the CEO of E3 Metals. Um, we talk to him about their DLE technology producing uh, lithium. Uh, we look at their Livant uh, JV, also their recent PEA results and what it could mean to them going forward. Their share price has shot up, so we discussed that. But if you want our thoughts and opinions on all of those topics, plus the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports and analysis, which you may find interesting. There are summaries of other interviews that we've done to save you some time, plus training courses to help you with your intelligence process. Commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities, truly fascinating, and a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe, friendly environment, free from trolling and abuse. And if that sounds nice to you, and it should, go and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Chris, how are you doing, sir? Very good. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. Where in the world are you? I'm in uh, Calgary, Alberta right now. Calgary, Alberta. Is that, are those pictures of Alberta or the project behind you? Is that, what's the significance? Those are pictures of our project site, uh, yeah, in Alberta. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking about, doing a bit of research about uh, what you guys do. I, I suspect there's going to be a, a, lot, a lot of green images because I think you've kind of got a very, very big... Uh, I like, I, the bit I really was drawn to was this kind of zero carbon component, because in the context Absolutely. of EV thematic and battery metals, you kind of need to, the, the whole supply chain just needs to be able to deliver on that, doesn't it? It's very, I think it's a very important part of any lithium or any you know, product going into electric vehicles. Um, it's going to become even more important in the future. Yeah. So um, tell me a little, bit, a little bit about you, if you don't mind. So what's your background? I'm a professional geologist and uh, sort of specialized in major project building and development throughout my career. Such as? Um, worked on a project here in Alberta called Fort Hills, which is about a $17 billion capital build. That's probably the biggest project. Um, worked in Australia and Sweden on smaller copper, lead zinc sort of projects. Um, came back to Canada in 2015 to start effectively E3 Metals. Right. So I've been working in the lithium space since 2015. Right. Okay. Fantastic. Appreciate that. Um, you better give us a quick overview of the business as well before we kind of dive into some of the topics I want to go through today. Yeah, absolutely. So E3 Metals is a lithium development company uh, based here in Alberta. Our project is just north of Calgary. And we're developing a DLE uh, direct lithium extraction uh, process methodology as well. We've got one of the world's largest uh, lithium resources. Um, lots of room to expand, lots of room to grow this project. We've recently put out a PA that uh, outlined about 20,000 tons with a value of about 820 million uh, US dollars after tax. Um, that's just the starting point of where this project can grow. Of course, it is a PEA, so you know we're still in the development phases. Um, and we're aiming for uh, zero carbon lithium products coming out of the back of our plant. So very exciting story here. No, it really is. Um, and I think people are just latching onto it. Now, I think lithium's been on a little bit of a run the last three, four months, okay? Uh, your share price um, has followed suit. You're up about four times since Christmas. Um, were you expecting that? Um, I think that E3 has been under the radar and a bit undervalued uh, for quite a long time. Um, and the recent release of our PEA has, I think, really put us into the, you know, in the wave of lithium companies that are on the path to lithium production. Right. And given that, um, and the PEA sort of solidified us there, 
And it took a lot of energy and effort for the company to get to the PA stage. But now that we're there, um, we're uh, accelerating very, very fast towards uh, production. So, um, and I think that this is just us catching up to that where we should have been several years ago in terms of value. Oh, good. I would have been disappointed if you didn't tell me you were still undervalued. As a CEO, <laughs> that's your job, right? <laughs> I mean, it's number one thing you have to say, absolutely. I, I, um, but it, it is true. Like when you look at our peers, we still have a long runway to go um, relative to even even the smaller peers in the space. So Right, okay. And I know there's, I noticed a page in your um, present the PowerPoint where you do do some peer analysis for people reading on. Um, okay, well, look, I think what's really important for you, especially in the lithium space, is to, for people to try and understand the vocabulary, the terminology, okay? I think people understand what lithium hard rock is, a lot of it around, yeah. some of the biggest producers in the world, hard rock. Um, people understand brine, they think, they associate that with lowest cost producing uh, for, for lithium. What they don't understand so much Lithium clays and direct lithium extraction just sounds awfully hard. And you're, you're a DLE uh, company. Do you want to yeah. explain what that is? Uh, direct lithium extraction is effectively just removing the lithium from the brine directly. So as the name suggests, so there's no evaporation, there's no mining involved. It's a chemical process that, that extracts lithium out of the brine. The benefit to it is that and what we've developed specifically is it's engineered for purity. So we just remove lithium. We, we get very little other impurities in our concentrate, what we call our lick solution. And that is incredibly important because if you're going to uh, sell your product into the battery market and not into the industrial lithium market, uh, purity is number one, absolutely number one uh, metric by which you will be paid for um, and valued upon. So for us, we go a long way. We remove 99% of the impurities in the single step. We also concentrate it. And the concentration was where we started. That was the first goal because that's what mining does. That's what Solars do. They both concentrate the lithium. So it makes it easier to process. But what we found is we're aside from also being able to concentrate, we're also able to purify it. And that is something that is one of the larger steps if you're a hard rock mine or you're a Solar because you concentrate everything, not just the lithium. So then you have to clean up all the other elements and get to a pure lithium product. And that's a very expensive and time consuming process um, as on top of the, the you know, mining operation or the you know, waiting for the sun to evaporate your, your brine. So for us, you know, time is obviously, time value money is very important. So you know, this happens, the reaction happens in less than 15 minutes. So we're getting the lithium out very quickly. We're able to produce a product within the day rather than within, you know, um, in a Solaris example, sort of 12 to 24 months. Right. You make it sound really simple and I, I get the benefits and they're, they're, they're yeah. the great benefits, but um, people have been talking about delivering direct lithium extraction for a long time. Not too many people are capable of doing it. Lithium is a more technical commodity compared to say, extracting a stick, you know, copper or, or nickel or gold out of the, out of the ground. Um, and DLE is, I, I guess, lagging in the sense that people don't understand or haven't understood how to use it in the way that you're describing it. How long has it taken you to actually get a technical solution which works on an economic scale? Yeah, I mean, DLE is a very simple process. It's, it's a water softener. It's an ion exchange process. Ours, at least, is anyway. 
Um, and, and water softener is as simple as you have a little pellet in a tank and you flow the water over that pellet and the calcium in your hard water sticks to the beam. That's, that's as simple as the process is. It's just new for lithium. So with anything new, it just takes time to, and I mean, it's the story for all, for electric vehicles as well, you know, it, and the lithium ion battery more specifically, you know, the technology took time to perfect. And once it was there, you know, now we're going to see this exponential growth in the sales of electric vehicles because the technology is now there that makes it possible. And I think the same is going to happen with DLE. Um, the technology is now becoming a lot more common. Um, we're not the only ones developing uh, a similar process, not the same, but, but somewhat similar um, to our peers in the space. And, and what that does is it, you know, it adds confidence, I think, for investors, but also the process itself is becoming more understood. There's more experts that know how to you know, put these things into production. Um, and in my opinion, in 10 years, most of the lithium in the world, most of the new lithium coming on stream in the world will be out of a DLE process in some way, shape or form. So, but, so let's talk about it though. Um, who's doing it economically today? Where's the, where should the market get confidence from? Um, right now, the leader in a new project, real DLE um, extraction is Standard Lithium. Um, they're piloting their process in Arkansas. So it's a good proxy there. We're going to be piloting within hopefully the next 12 months. So, you know, we're, when you look at them as a, as a comparison for us, I think it's a good spot. Um, even the big companies like uh, Livent, they've been using a, a version of DLE, not the same system or the same way that we use DLE, but they've been using DLE um, for a very long time. We interviewed standards um, and they've got those Lanxus partnership there, the 70-30 split, I think. And their market cap is yeah. what are they over 500 million now something like that you know something so, like that, so yeah. the mar they aren't being rewarded by the market but you said the words yourself it's, it's still a pilot plant phase mm -hmm. um so they still have a ways to go them themselves in terms of being able to prove proper economic development are you going to be able to kind of shortcut that process because you, you know you're a little bit you're a little bit behind them at the moment so where are you today compared to them yeah, we're, we've just opened up a facility here in Calgary to uh, design and build the pilot. And so that is when we're hiring um, a bunch of local process engineers who understand, and I mean, this is just liquid solid separation. So that's very common process, processing methodology. So we're building that uh, team and then we'll, we're building that pilot this year. So um, you know, that is the goal for the technology development. But once the technology is sort of past that hurdle and is piloted, the rest of the processes uh, are very, very common, very much stock standard. Um, so this is something that we obviously have spent the past three years focusing on um, and, you know, have sort of crossed that, that technical threshold. We know we can take lithium out of the brine. We know how to make this material. We know how to how to put this into practice. We just have to demonstrate it at scale now. Well, that, that, so that's where the that's absolutely it. You, you do need to demonstrate it at scale through through the pilot plant. And so, what, I mean, one, how long is that process, and how do you better understand the economics through that process? Yeah, it's with DLE and, and ion exchange. It's actually uh, fairly straightforward, and that's one of the benefits of it. It scales very linearly. And you know what that really means is that we're going to have a tank. That tank's going to have our material that we've, our solid chemical that we've developed that takes the lithium out of the brine. And you're going to flow brine into that tank and the lithium sticks to that material. 
And by the time it reaches the bottom of the tank, there's no more lithium. So in a commercial scenario, or sorry, we'll start with the pilot. In a pilot scenario, we're going to build a tank, right? That's going to be of commercial size, but we're just going to build one. And we're going to deploy it to the field and we're going to demonstrate that it has the capacity to extract X amount of lithium on a daily, weekly, yearly basis. Then when we want to put that into commercial practice, we just build X number of those tanks to match our commercial production threshold. So that's what, when it, when I talk about it scaling linearly, you know, it, the risk really is that one tank working at that size. Once we demonstrate that with the pilot, the commercial scale on this particular piece of technology is much smaller uh, in terms of the risk profile, right? Because you've already uh, demonstrated this, the process system and the process methodology at commercial scale, but you've just done one unit operation of it. Right. Okay. But so explain that to me because it doesn't sound like very capital intensive uh, pilot phase because you, you're saying because you just have a whole bunch of tanks, typically, you just need to use one. Yeah. They all work alone. So how much money, how much time was the process, that development phase? Yeah, we're estimating somewhere between three to four million Canadian uh, to build and operate the pilot. So it, it isn't a very expensive um, job. It is not going to be big. It's going to be one tank. Um, but the benefit is, is that, you know, it is, um, you know, you can replicate that process very easily. So one tank should be enough. That's interesting because if you look at some of the brand companies that we've, we've been speaking to, obviously, it feels like you're cheating in a way because their, their, their pilot faces are costing 15, 20, 30 million bucks. So, wow, three to four yep. million. Incredible. And, and they're just, they're approaching it slightly differently. Um, like standards building almost a demonstration facility, not so much a pilot. And we might go to that stage after the DLE is piloted, we might bring in the lithium hydroxide um, production unit operator and, and bring that out to the field as well to demonstrate that. Um, but the really, all we're demonstrating is that is known technology at that point. And, and I think the risk hurdle for, for us and any DLE company is demonstrating the process, um, the DLE process itself, because that's the, you know, in terms of commercial operators, as you pointed out, um, that's what the uh, needs to be demonstrated. That's that is the, the linchpin between uh, what we do on the oil and gas side, which is produce fluids from aquifers, which is you know what we do every day in Alberta, and then you know the lithium hydroxide production, which is very common in the lithium industry, using very similar operations that that uh, we're going to use very similar operations to what's already out there. So our our technology really does link to very common tech. Um, and processes together. Okay, so common's a good word. I, I like that um, because you've been at this for five years. You're a big project uh, guy, right? I get that. Who have you surrounded yourself with? Because I, I noticed a headline recently, uh, Livent opting out or choosing to opt out for, well, you can tell me why in a second. Who around you is giving that, you that technical confidence or is it because most of the technology is relatively common? Yeah, I mean, we have our own technical team. Um, that technical team was built uh, through the engagement with Livent. So, you know, that um, agreement was signed in, in sort of mid-2019. If you were in the lithium space in 2019, you know, it was very, very difficult to raise capital. Um, so, you know, we, we, we did a deal with Livent that was really great for us. We, they brought in their expertise. They brought in capital to the project. And they helped us de-risk the big risk hurdle at the time, which is you know demonstrating this DLE technology. So, 
Um, they exited in, in late November. Um, you know, what Paul said to me was that it was due to capital constraints in their new project in, in Namaska. Um, my, my guess is it was probably more with the technical expertise because we were using some of their, some of their best people to help us develop the process and they became responsible for that with Namaska. Uh, but in the meantime, we've developed our own skill set. We have our own technical people. We have a team of people that is now operating this facility here in Calgary, looking to demonstrate uh, and build this pilot. So, you know, that we have that, we have surrounded ourselves in this company with that, with those technical expertise. And we're still growing that team. We just brought in a new gentleman yesterday um, and added to the team. So that team is continually growing. I mean, you know, we just completed an aggregate total of about $14.5 million worth of fundraising over the past four months. So that also opens up a lot of opportunity because what Liven brought to the table at the end of the day was just people, right? They brought expertise to help us out. And, and the benefit to E3 is we got all that early expertise when we needed it at no cost to the company because when they, the, the agreement demonstrated when they walked away, they walked away from everything. They walked away from any, any IP. They walked away from any ownership, any three. Everything was left the table. So we got about two and a half, two point two million dollars. Um, you know, sort of as a, almost like you could view it as a grant. We got technical expertise and, and capital, and didn't have to give anything for it. It's an, essentially, um, it was kind of kind of feels like it, it, it was the right deal for you at the time. I think what you're absolutely. saying is where you've got to perhaps you feel a little bit more confident in your own ability to deliver this. Now it's a $600 million CapEx project. Are you going to try and do that alone or do you think you're going to look for another partner? Um, We are uh, talking to some other strategics um, to help us, you know, build the project, but the conversation is a lot different now than it was with Livent. The conversation is now about that $600 million and how we're going to fund that rather than how we're going to um, advance the daily technology. And so the, the partners are different in that sense uh, that we're talking to. At, at the end of the day, we build projects like this in Alberta. You know, the project I worked on here locally was $17 billion, right? Like it was a big capital project, um, very capital intensive in terms of people and energy to get that project off the ground. And ours is, is a whole paradigm smaller than that. Um, you know, it's, it's 20 times smaller than that project. So, you know the ability here for Alberta to build this is is in the province. We're not have to go, we're not we don't have to go outside to bring expertise in. Every everything from highly skilled welders to you know professional engineers that know how to build a project like this are here in the province. And so you know we know how to do this. And you know regardless as if we if we bring a uh, partner in or not, um, you know I have a lot of confidence that E three has the the ability to build it. So the, the next question will be, how are we going to fund $600 million? And there's lots of, you know, avenues out there. And I think being having a, an ESG component to this that is very strong, and we're going to back that up with a LCA, a life cycle analysis done by a third party to demonstrate how strong our ESG side of this story actually is. Um, I think that is going to be a source of funding for us because there's a lot of movement towards funding funding ESG-focused projects, especially when it comes to the battery metal space. You know, I think we're, we're at a point now where EVs are solidified, the lithium battery is solidified as what's going to power those. And now even um, yesterday, Simon Moore from Benchmark 
um, testified to Canada's House of Commons Committee for Natural Resources, along with my vice president, uh, Liz Lappin, uh, talking about the, the critical minerals shortage that they're predicting and how Canada can be uh, a leader in that. And we absolutely can, because even in Alberta, we have cobalt, nickel, and, uh, and hopefully soon lithium. Right. Okay. I, I buy all of that, but it's the, that's a kind of like a, all companies say that, okay, they're, they're beating that drum. You, you know, you've got to beat that drum, but 600 million bucks is 600 million bucks. That's a tough call. Three months ago, you were a $40 million company, right? So yeah. you, you know, attitudinally, um, I guess things will start changing internally. You're 160 million market cap, still undervalued according to you. So you've got a ways to go. People will start paying attention, but 600 million bucks for it. Anyone is a, is a ton of cash. So have you thought about how you, not just approach the market for money, but how you talk about the, the, the full chain that you're going to talk about? ESG at one end is great, but how do you sell into the market? Have you got the people on board to help you understand how you integrate into the market, where you position yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, funding this is going to be a big job for the company and we're probably going to start that work in about a year in terms of going out and actually bringing the funds in and that that starts with the production of the, the pre-feasibility study so the next 12 months that's the goal is to get the pre-fees out that's really the document you can start taking to banks effectively right and start shopping the project around for funding um we're already in discussions with those groups um to get them intro to the story you know this is how this works you know this as well as i do probably better about, you know, you, you build those relationships over time. Um, I think that there's going to be uh, a solid amount of government grant funding that's going to come to projects like this. Um, and also, um, you know, the strategic is obviously a big, important part of that. And that can come in lots of different avenues. One of those is offtake. And I think that's where you're alluding to, you know, where are we going to sell the product? Likely, it's going to be pre-sold offtake agreements. Um, and those generally in, in the market that we've seen in the past have come with capital, either pre, pre-buying the product or, or some investment or something like that to, to lock in that long-term supply. Um, and I think that with the way the market's going, there's going to be a de- demand supply crunch in the short term. And it's, it's going to happen right about the time that E3's project comes on stream. And I think that's going to be advantageous for the company because we're going to be able to attract um, those offtake agreements from the major you know, purchasers, major battery manufacturers or cathode manufacturing companies. And that will assist in the funding of the project as well. And that you could call that a strategic relationship as well. Um, and that if you're going to a, a bank, you need security, right? You need some way to back up your the, the debt that you're going to have to because we'll probably finance the majority of this with a, a debt equity so but you need a you need some sort of security down payment and that sort of thing so part of it will be cash you know when you look at our market cap you're right we just moved to around a 250 million canadian market cap um that's still growing look at lithium america's corp they're worth three billion um you know there's other uh companies on this panel that are worth in the you know 500 million to billion dollar range so I think that we'll, we will still create value over the next two to three years um, into that sort of realm as we grow and as we get closer to production. And that'll increase our ability to raise larger capital on the market to fill the gap. And then you add a strategic partner that either brings an offtake agreement, 
with secure purchasing of your product. That banks really love that. It gives you the ability to, to demonstrate that you have a, uh, a purchaser, a long-term. And I think a combination of all those things, and probably we don't need all of them, but a couple of them. And so the strategy is in place, um, but until the pre-feasibility is out, it's hard to shop that. So we're building the strategy today. We're building that team today. Um, and then once that the pre-fees document is, is available to start sending to these companies, we'll be out on that sort of, you know, marketing round is finding those, that securing that funding. Okay. You see, the, the, the bit that really intrigues me is like, again, we speak to a lot of companies that are raising, we're talking about raising money into a supply demand deficit and the timing is, they're all talking roughly the same timing. Plus there's all the incumbents. All of those guys sitting yeah. there with cash in their bank, with production and the ability to ramp up, all accelerating into the supply demand gap. And if we if we look back to 2017, what happened there in terms of you know we we saw that that spike then and it fell away as quickly as it came, right? So I think it's important for guys like you to have a view of of the market where they sit, and that's why I asked where you position yourself. Do you do a 600 million capex project? Right, which is mm. tough. Do you start yep. with something smaller? Do you first of all find a strategic partner, like real quick, accelerate into getting a strategic partner quicker? I because that offtake is important. It whatever, if it's 25%, 40%, 60%, or 100 percent of your offtake, you've got to have a view on how you approach positioning yourself in the marketplace because there's going to be competition. There always is. Yep. And what does that? What do you think that's going to do to pricing? And you know, and therefore, how do you compete in that environment? So it's there's a lot of moving parts because yeah. it's not yeah. you know. And I think that with any with any company at, at this stage, in my experience from having done this before, is that it's a bit of a shotgun when you're at this stage, right? Right now, you're just you're, you're approaching every angle um, with a concerted effort. You don't need all of these to pay out. You don't need to necessarily get a strategic and get an uptick right. And, you know, you know, all of those things get government financing. You just need one or two of those to finance the project, right? And if you do a good job um, and, you know, you build the project and you build the company, the value does accrete. And, you know, that does increase your ability to raise a market. So hundred percent, the company is at the stage now where, where we're, we're, the shotgun is sort of going off in that sense. Um, and you know that strategy is in place to talk to everybody. There's no one that's not on the table that we're talking that we're not talking. No, I get, I get that. But it, again, it's like you know everyone's talking all the time to all people, and all options are on the table. I'm just wondering in your head or the board's head is what are those those two or three things which you prioritize above everything else? Because you know if you get those right, you've got yeah. it made. Yeah, I think you know. With the right strategic partner coming in at this point, that's that's one angle. The timing of a strategic partner, though, is very critical because once we get the pilot completed, which we have now fully funded to do and fully staffed to do, the value of E3 should continue to, to grow. And, you know, our um, negotiating power just gets stronger as we get closer and closer to the pilot. So there is a timing aspect to this that we are very cognizant, but 100%. Um, you know, it is a lot easier to build a project when you have um, a big company with deep pockets backing it and and 100%. And so, you know, we are, in, like I mentioned at the beginning, we are in discussion with several strategics um, in that avenue today. And we will continue those discussions. 
Um, and we're continually in, you know, increasing that sort of breadth. But we are in that angle, we are being very strategic because we're not going to just anyone for that type of relationship, right? There's a very, we have, we've developed a very strict framework by which a strategic needs to fall into for us to be interested. They have to bring something to the table specifically that E3 is looking for. For example, um, you know, a, the ability to help us fund the, the capital construction is at 100% one of the key criteria, right? So that sort of puts you in a size paradigm of, of the strategic that we would be shopping for right now. Beautiful, okay. And um, we mentioned earlier with the live on deal, it was the right deal at the right time, okay? And looking forward, you've got to, you've got to take a view of what the right deal would be now so would you be prepared mm -hmm. to give away a little bit more now than you'd want to to be able to put yourself in a position to compete, you know, in the you know three-year, four-year, five-year window? Because that's when everything seems to be coming down the line. Everyone's talking that language. So again, I know you know this, but I just want to hear yeah. you say it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, 100%. If the right uh, partner with the right, you know, deal came, of course we would we would work with them hundred percent. And we're, and that's the goal right now. Like we're not, we're not necessarily pushing people away. We're just, we're being very strategic because we have time on our side, you know, with, with the live in um, agreement, you know, the company was having a very hard time raising capital, therefore a very hard time hiring people and attracting expertise to it. And, and now we're in a very different position. So, you know, we have time, we have, uh, capital to do what we need to do without bringing a strategic in. So, you know, that means that we can be patient and we can do the deal with the right company that brings the right things to the table. And that's all I'm saying. So, you know, hundred percent, if that came, we would, we would act on it and we bring that because you're right, you know, bringing, once you have that secured in some sort of relationship, it does de-risk a lot of the back end. Um, you know, how are you going to raise people aren't going to, if you had a, a major company backing you, people stop asking you the question, well, how are you going to raise 600 million? You know, and, and the, the reality is that you're right. Like if the, if E3 went it alone, which is, like I said, it's not really the priority, but if we did go it alone, the project may be smaller. We might start at 5,000 tons or 10,000 tons and reduce that capital burden initially demonstrated works and then use that as the collateral that you need to go raise the the rest of the the debt to sort of finance a, a expansion to that and, and grow up to 20 and then because the project that we have you know we've outlined 600 million to start at 20,000 tons but as the market continues to need more lithium and as we get this project you know generating revenue we plan to expand to probably close to 150,000 tons, you know, and it's a lot easier to do that when you're generating revenue. And, and th those discussions become very, very easy, right? Because you're not demonstrating anything. You're just pointing, pardon me, pointing to your project and saying, we have this operation here. Here's, here's where we are today. Let's grow this now. Yeah, like I, I think, like I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear all of the above. It just shows a sort of agility of thought, flexibility yeah. of thought, because again, we've interviewed companies that have been very, grown quickly, got a kind of arrogance to them and not taking the deal on the table, which has damaged them in the short, uh, sorry, in the, in the medium to long term. And it, it just, 
it's always worth understanding how the board thinks about these these deals today for the benefit of tomorrow when you've got a balanced risk mitigation, dilution, all of that stuff that you have to deal with as, as a CEO. Um, can we just talk very quickly, finish this off actually, on um, the zero carbon flow sheet. Okay, yeah. I, again, I've spotted a few pages on it in, in, the, in the PowerPoint. It's kind of interesting. You've got pictures behind you, which seems to be green fields, but in there somewhere is you working away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're like that one there. right there, right? Yes. So it's hard to see where you are. There's not big sort of ponds and in salars, and there's not, you know, tabletops being shaved off to get access, you know, hard rock, etc. It's, it's, it looks very green. So how green is it? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't like the term green because people greenwash. So this is why for us, it's fundamental that we get out the LCA. Uh, life cycle analysis, third party, so that we can actually show someone a document that says, here's a third party company that has demonstrated how we're actually going to do this. So, but it's on four main sort of avenues that we're going to be, you know, quote unquote green or, or what we call reducing our ESG, right? Um, and, and having a fundamental strategy behind it. The first one is, and I think the most paramount when you're looking at the EV market and where People, everyone is talking about the carbon footprint, absolutely everybody. And they realize now that it's not just what comes out of the exhaust pipe, it's also what goes into the product and the batteries are very carbon intensive. So how do you reduce that? And for us, there's two ways. One, if you look at the picture down here, it's hard to see from what you're seeing, but it's on our website. We The project sits below a 80 meg wind farm. So in Alberta, we have a huge ability to generate renewable power. Now, renewable power is not 100% reliable, and with a process, you need to have reliable power. So that will be backed up with natural gas uh, power generation facility. We have lots of plentiful natural gas in Alberta. It actually helps the local economy, which is great. And out of that exhaust gas from the, the gas-fired power plant is 3% CO2. So what we do is we sequester that CO2, we take it out of the exhaust gas using a process that's been developed here in Alberta. Um, and we put that CO2 and compress it into our waste stream. So keep in mind that we take the brine out of the ground, we put it in a pipe, we bring it to a full process facility, we extract the lithium out, and then we put it back into the aquifer. People are putting CO2 into this sort of waste stream, into this exact aquifer, 10 kilometers down the road. So this is not new tech. This is something that is in operations today in Alberta. So it's not a pipe dream. It is a reality that we plan to deploy. So, um, so that is absolutely number one for us is to get the zero carbon emissions to zero or near zero, right? Um, then when you look at this from a process operations, um, you know, the fact that there, uh, we do use wells and pipes and we use a direct lithium extraction means we don't have tailings. We don't, have a, we don't have a pond, we don't have an open pit, we don't have a tailings pile. Everything is very small and compact. It's 3% of the land use of a rel, uh, relative to a slar or hard rock mine. So very, very small surface footprint for this. And the other um, piece of the story is that we don't use fresh water. We actually are a net producer of fresh water because the last piece of the process, keep in mind, we're moving lots of salty brine, but the last piece of the process is, you know, using a crystallizer to crystallize out lithium hydroxide because it's a salt effectively, right? 
And that process produces a clean water stream and that's net to the project. So we actually make fresh water that we can provide to, you know, you look at those pictures, they're farmers fields, right? So we can provide them to agriculture, provide the water to agriculture, to ranching, to local community um, to use in, for their, their use. So uh, yeah, and it's, it's inherent to the way that we build this project. So we don't have to add a lot of capital. We don't have to like, you know, zero tailings is inherent to the project. We're not designing it specifically to be zero tailings. It just is because of how the process works, right? So we check all these boxes largely without having to put any, any additional effort or energy into the project. Right. Okay. It, it, the thematic is continuing. So the, the, the EV thematic is continuing. I won't say green. I'll say, okay, clean. <laughs> clean. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, zero carbon is the best one to use because that is our goal is, is to reduce that footprint to zero. And it's a huge push from the federal government here in Canada to develop projects with a zero carbon footprint. And I think that's why, you know, we have some confidence that we'll be able to attract funding for specifically that angle as well. Right. Because they are out there today funding projects that can deploy technology to go zero carbon. And that's what this would be. We'd be deploying a piece of technology called carbon sequestration, and we'd be adding it to the process, um, and that we could likely fund through federal funds to get us to that zero problem. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think we've, we've seen that in a few other places too. Um, question on the technology then. You're going to be a, lith a lithium producer, okay? You're, you're producing um, lithium hydroxide. That's the, that's the end product, right? Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. and which obviously you know nice margins associated with that. You've also got a technology there, but I think you've been given some clues there because one of the questions sent in was, you know, will they be selling the technology? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, absolutely, that is a potential for E three. So one of the benefits to now bringing this all the development in house, it was in you know in Liven's facility in North Carolina. It was in uh, our facility in Kingston, Ontario. Now that's all locally in Calgary at our at our facility here, staffed by our own people. One of the benefits to having that now in house is that we can um, test and develop other uh, people's brands. And so you know we talk about building this prototype, basically um, an in a lab version of the of the pilot that we will be able to use to obviously test our brine, but we'll also be able to use it to test other people's brine. And so that is a goal for us. Um, and we're, we, we already have a list, right? So that's finding um, people that want us to test is, there's not a, a plethora of brine projects out there um, that have the ability uh, to produce the fluids that would make a commercial project, um, but there are some out there. And so, um, yeah, it's hundred percent something that, and it, the benefit to it is that it could generate revenue for the company sooner than putting our own project into production. Uh, especially if we're just going to deploy it for a royalty um, or, you know, some sort of sale of the licensing sale of that technology, um, you know, then someone else has to deploy the capital to put it into practice and, you know, we can just collect a royalty on it. So. Okay. We'll put that down as a, a byproduct. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Look, at the end of the day, though, producing lithium hydroxide with the way the battery market is going, that's what creates the value, right? Um, the technology, although you know, does create value for for a company. And there are other companies like even Standard Lithium 
They are just a technology company that is joint venturing into a project um, where we have the technology and we have the resource. So we're, we're developing our own technology for our own, our own resource. Um, there is obviously therefore value, right? Because Standard Lithium only owns 30% of that project today and they're worth uh, seemingly more than E3, right? They're obviously more advanced as well. Um, but it demonstrates that technology is value. But I think that at the end of the day, when you look at it from an enterprise value perspective and a total potential growth of the company, having what we have, having a resource that we deploy our own technology to, that we're not paying royalties on, that we can you know, expand and grow our own production, uh, at the end of the day, E3 will have a much bigger enterprise value than, our, than those peers technology producers, I guess. Yeah, okay, I just, I just want to ask that question because it, it could be considered a distraction uh, unless you very quickly work out how, how to monetize it. I guess you work that out over the next few months or so. Chris, brilliant run through. We've not met before, spoken. I've enjoyed listening to the story. Exciting phase of development for you guys. Uh, should, be, should be an exciting year. I think 2021 is going to be the biggest year for E3. You know, we've got a lot of things on our list. If you look at our PowerPoint, we've got a development plan outlined. Um, you know, that a lot of those things have been wanting to do for a couple of years now and, and being completely fully funded um, and the ability to go all the way to the pre-fees without having to go back to the market uh, puts us in a very, very good position to accomplish all of these goals and grow value for this company. Beautiful. Look, stay in touch. Let us know how you get on. Um, be delighted to speak to you again. Appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.